Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, man, it is good to be back in the house tonight. It's good to see everyone. I'm glad you came out to hear what the Lord has to say through me, his vessel. I want to ask you if you bow and we would have a word of prayer as we go to the word. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this day. It is the day that you have made, and I thank you for all the things that you allowed us to get accomplished on our jobs and our families, at our homes, all these things. And so now, Lord, as we sit before your word, we come to eat at the supper table. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us, Father, a word that would change our lives, a word that would impact the way we live, a word, Father, that would cause us to go out and live in such a way to where other people would say they have been with the Lord. So we thank you, Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to be coming tonight from 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30. And my topic, my topic tonight is taking back what the enemy has stolen. Amen. amen. Can I get an amen from you? Amen. amen. Taking back what the enemy has stolen. So as you are turning to 1 Samuel chapter 30, let me give you a little bit of background where this chapter sits. Okay, so David had been anointed as king way back there in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we see in chapter 17 that David went out and fought Goliath, the giant. All the Israel army, they were afraid of him. Every time he came out in front of them, he was selling wolf tickets, they say. And he was talking about what I'm going to do to you and this, that, and the other. And everybody fled from him. But when David went up to check on his brothers at his father's request, he heard the giant saying, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he? Amen. I'm going to go get him. He went up to Saul and told Saul, I'll fight him. Nobody else will. I'll fight him. Saul tried to give David his arm. And David said, I can't go. And he, and he took what he knew. A trusty sling and five smooth stones. And we can read on and see how David and Jonathan developed a relationship where they were very good friends and made a covenant with one another. But we also see that Saul started eyeing David. Saul became jealous of David because they were saying, David has slain his ten thousands and Saul has only slain his thousands. Okay. And so they were angry. Saul was kind of, hey, this guy here is trying to take my spot. Not only that, God had anointed him. So Saul is eyeing him. And as a matter of fact, on two different occasions, Saul threw a spear at David trying to take him out. So David, doing the right thing, said, I got to get out of Dodge. And so he left Dodge and ran from Saul. And guess what? In 1 Samuel chapter 22, we see that there were people that joined themselves to David. Everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented joined themselves to David and they became a mighty army. And it goes on to say that they went out and began to do different things and God was with them and all these things. But Saul was chasing him the entire time. It got so bad that David could not stay in the land of Judah anymore. So he fled to the land of the Philistines. He had to go to the enemy's camp just to get away from King Saul. And while he was in the enemy's camp, the land that the Philistine king gave him the land called Ziklag. And while he was there in Ziklag, they used to go out and do military maneuvers and they would attack the surrounding areas because even though they were in the enemy's land, they were taking out the enemy. Under cover they were doing it and they weren't leaving anybody behind to go tell King Achish of Gath. And so guess what? David and his men were doing all these different things. And there came a time where the enemies of uh, the, the armies of Israel and King Achish and his armies were going to go fight. They were going to meet up and fight. And David, being, alliance with, being in alliance with King Achish, 
He was with them and they were going to fight against their own people. But King Achish's men said, hey, that's not a good idea right there. Don't you know what they said about David? That he slain his ten thousands? How much better would it be for him to get favor back with King Saul if he handed him our heads? And they said, we can't send him. So King Achish told David, said, look, I want you to go with me. You've done nothing but good things while you've been here. But my men don't want you to go with me. So he sent him back. And that's where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let's, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's read verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives had been taken, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I'm going to read on to verse uh, 8. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, that is, the Lord said, that is, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and you shall surely recover all. Lord, may you have a blessing to your hearers and doers of your word. So as I said, we come to this place where David and his men return to Ziklag, and they find the place burned, and their families taken. What would it be like tonight if you went home and your home was burnt down and your loved ones were gone? How would you feel if you went home and the very people you love were not there? How would you feel if you went home and all your belongings had been burned up in the fire? Here you are out doing God's work. You're trying to do, be who God has called you to be and do what God has called you to do. And you go home and the enemy has struck. How would it make you feel? Guess what? The Bible names the culprits that, that did this. It says they were the Amalekites. Now let's look a little bit into them and see who they were. The Amalekites, of course, are descendants of Amalek. And Amalek, Amalek is the grandson of Esau. Y'all remember Jacob and Esau? All right. So Amalek was the grandson of, of, of Esau. And I can see that because Esau paid more attention to a bowl of beans than he did his birthright. I can see him representing our fleshly desires, pursuing the things of the flesh and not the things of God. And so his descendants were in that same vein. And so the Amalekites were people that, that, man, they were the enemies of Israel. As a matter of fact, you can read in Exodus chapter 17, and you can see where the Amalekites attacked the children of Israel without provocation. They had not been provoked. Israel didn't do anything to them, but they just ran up in their own and attacked them without reason. And the Bible says in Exodus 17 that Joshua and the armies of Israel went out and fought against the Amalekites. And it said that as long as Moses held the rod of God's authority in his hand over his head, it says that Joshua and the armies of Israel prevailed. 
But when Moses got tired, because remember, he was well over 80 years at this time. So I'm sure that he couldn't hold his arms up very long. So when Moses' arms fell down, guess what? The Amalekites prevailed. So they worked out something. They sat Moses down on a stone and Ur got on one side and Aaron got on the other. And they stood on the side of him and they helped Moses hold his hands up over his head. And as long as that happened, Joshua and the armies of Israel prevailed. And the Bible says in Exodus 17, if you read on down to the latter part of the chapter, after they had whooped up on the Amalekites and sent them packing, it says that God told Moses, he said, write it in a book and rehearse it in the ears of of Joshua. For I will blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And if you'll go on down to 1 Samuel chapter 15, you're going to see what God told King Saul. I want you to go to the Amalekites and wipe them out. Because of what they did. But Saul didn't obey the Lord. Saul did not do fully what God said. He did partially. And you know, it's something we think about today called partial obedience. I obey the Lord a little bit here, but I won't obey, obey him fully. And so he only obeyed him, obeyed him partially. And guess what? He brought back King Agag and the best of the livestock. And Samuel said, what is the bleeding of this sheep? What is this right here? He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And so Samuel had to take care of what Saul didn't take care of. Because if Saul had done what he was supposed to do, we would not see the Amalekites over here in chapter 30 burning down Ziklag and taking the families of the men of God. So we see the Amalekites had done something and they were wrong about it. And so they took everyone. And the unfortunate thing is they didn't kill anybody. Because in those days, guess what? When you went to a town and you conquered it, they usually wiped out everybody. If you read in biblical history, you're going to find about the cruelty that was demonstrated. I won't go into that because it's just cruel. Some of the things those armies would do to a child or to a woman or a little girl or a little boy. Cruel. Read the book of Fox's books, a book of martyrs and just see some of the things, the stuff that people dream up of how to hurt people. It's, it's oh my Lord. So they, the, the, the Malachites took the people captive. Everyone that was in it small and great. And so David, and when that men came, that, guess what? They wept. It says they wept until they had no more strength. Have you ever cried so hard that you just melted in the floor? Something hurt you so bad that you just, I mean, you were just a blubbering mess in the floor. Have you ever been there? That's where they were. They were hurt so bad because their families, their loved ones, their little ones had been taken and they didn't know where. And they didn't know what was going on with them. They didn't know what they were going through. And they were hurting for their families. David was affected also. Both of his wives had been taken. They were some broken people at this point. And it says that the people were embittered. And they spoke of stoning David. Because when something like that happens, we want somebody to blame. There's got to be somebody I can direct my anger toward. Somebody I can get mad. Somebody I can say, it's your fault. And so they spoke of stoning David. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed. But guess what he did? It says that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. He didn't go running to anybody else to get encouragement. He encouraged himself. And you know how I encourage myself? I shut myself in. 
Jesus talks about going into your closet and pray, closing the door. What God sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. Listen, if you're going to encourage yourself, you have got to have that place where you can go and spend time with God. You got to spend time with him in prayer. No, you ain't got to spend six or seven hours, but you got to have a relationship with God where you can go and pray and hear from him. You've also got to have a time where you can get, sit down and, and get in the book. Because guess what? The scripture says in Matthew 4 and 4, man or woman, boy or girl, shall not live by bread alone. We can't just live on Chick-fil-A. We can't just live on our God. But we have got to partake of the word of God. They shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what sustains us. That's what feeds us and helps us to endure the temptations and trials and tests that come upon us. God's word in us. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I've recently learned something about that, what that means. And it's been helping me today. And I've also shared it with several others. And I've seen how it's helped them. Young man called me last night that I know from South Carolina. He's, he's with his mother right now. And uh, she's got a lot of things going on, so he's helping her out. And he was just, in, just sharing with me, Rob, been looking for a job, man. And, and although my resume looked good and everything, they just don't want, they don't want to open the door for me. He was discouraged. And so I just encouraged him. And I just gave him some affirmation. I just gave him some acceptance and some approval. And that's what the Lord is showing me about this word right here where it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. David referred back to all that God had shown him about himself. All that God had been to him. David had written in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Shall not walk. Uh, he, he talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because God is with me. Over and over again, David has, I mean, we read the Psalms and there's so many Psalms about what he has written. And he referred back to those things and it helped him in a hard place. For me, it's like, as I go back to those things that I know about God, that he's shown me in the past, those are benchmarks. Those are places that I can build an altar. Those are places where I can go back and say, God did this for me there. And that encourages me. That gives me the assurance that if he did it then, he can do it now. It helps me. It helps me face the trials of today. Because I know he already brought me over that hump. He'll bring me over this one too. And so David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Recognizing that God was with him then and he'll be with him now. It says so David encouraged himself. And the next thing he did after he got encouraged in the Lord. He sought direction. Because in verse 7 it says. Then David said to Abiathar the priest. The son of Ahimelech. Please bring me the ephod. Now, guess what? David did not have what we have. He didn't have the canon of scripture that we have. He didn't have a leather-bound Bible sitting on the cake, uh, at the coffee table. Them great, I'm, I grew up when they had them great big old Bibles on the coffee table. Y'all remember them days? Them great big old books. You can't even total. They so big. I remember them days. David did not have the canon of scripture like we have today. But what he did have was the ephod. And the ephod the priest wore. And in that ephod, as well as the, the stones of the tw- twelve tribes, they had something called the Urim and the Thummim. Meaning lights and perfection. And so somehow, I, I ain't quite sure how it worked. I, I heard it was almost like they just roll the dice. Or casting lots or something. But somehow they would discern the Lord's direction by those stones. And so David went to, to Abiathar and said, bring me the ephod. He was seeking God's direction. And God spoke and said, pursue. 
and you will recover all. My point in that right there, and I, I know I hadn't enumerated points for you, I've just been spewing, but my point in that is this. It is so important that we know how to go to God in his word for him to direct us. He said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. And as you start spending time with God in his word, you'll start discerning when he's speaking to you. He'll give you a gentle nudge. There'll be, you'll be in the grocery store, and there'll be a gentle nudge. You'll see somebody, and there'll be a gentle nudge to, hey, just go say hello, put your arm around, hug them, love them. And you know, doing that right there would sometimes open the door to where you'll see a tear fall out of their eye. You and I don't know what people are going through in this day and in this time. They are catching it, y'all. They are having a hard go at it for this reason and for that. And so when we go and love on them, that's like we're the hands and feet of Jesus. And we go to them, we just love them a little bit. It's like God will touch them. And next thing you know, the floodgates open up. And their hearts are open. And we can say, I want to pray for you. But even more than that, I want to tell you about this Jesus that I know. How he's helped me. In the hard places of life. How he's been there for me. When, there was, when everybody had turned their backs on me. Like it says in Psalms. I believe it's 142. He said no man cares for myself. And we can tell him look. I know what you're going through. I might not know exactly. Because, I, uh, because I've been through that. But I've been through hard places too. And I can tell you. With my hands stretched high. And my back straight. Tell you God is able. To save and deliver. He will keep you in the midst of whatever you're going through. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Hallelujah. So David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He inquired of the priest. And and, and the Lord said, David said, shall I pursue the band? He said, you shall pursue and you will overtake them and you will recover all. Let me just briefly enumerate what I'm what everything I want you to hear tonight. David had David should not have had to face the Amalekites. But because he did, he did what he had to do. Sometimes we got to sever relationships. There's people that are in our lives. We're talking about taking back what the enemy stole. Guess what? There's some people in our lives that we, we just got to cut, cut ties with. There's some people that's not helping you get where you need to be. You need to distance yourself from them. And that's not to say, no, we're not doing like they did in that day. In that day, they take out the sword and sever our relationship. Right. We don't do that today. But we distance ourselves from people because we know, hey, bad communications corrupt good manners. Yes. So we know, hey, there's time, like Psalms 1 talks about, you know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scope. We separate ourselves. That's right. But guess what? We don't have a high and hearty attitude about it. We love people, but we recognize, hey, it's not in my best interest to hang out with you. Number two, you got to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord, your God. You got to be able to go back and reflect on the things he's done in your life. Look back on those things. It's good if you keep a journal. I keep a journal. So when I'm I'm thinking about things, I, I, I can reflect back to a time in my life. And most recently, I've been reflecting back to January of this year and where I was then. And, look at, and looking at where I am now, I'm like, wow, God, you're awesome. You got to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And finally, whew, you got to go to God to get the direction that you need. Because when you're seeking to take back what the enemy stole, you can't just run up in there and talk about give it back. Right. Right. Come on. 
Give me what's mine. Yeah. You'll get run off. But God will give you strategy. He'll show you how to pray. Yes. Something the Lord, Lord might, he, the, something the enemy might have taken right now is a is a relative of yours, a, a young child is right now out there wayward, doing God knows what, wherever. And you got to know how to go back in an intercession and pray for them, and see God bring them back to their senses. See God cause them to come to their senses like He did the prodigal and say, you know what, I need to go back home. God will do it. God will do it. He will do it. So, sever ties. Kill off those Amalekites. Mm -hmm. Know how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God by going back to look at the things that he's done for you. All those things he's done for you. And thirdly, go to God for the direction you need. Don't just assume. Don't just assume. But go to him and let him direct your steps. He'll make them plain. He'll lead you by his still, small voice. And you will be amazed when you look and say, it's marvelous what the Lord has done. It's marvelous in our eyes. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that uh, your word will not return into your void and that it will accomplish everything you send it to do. And as I'm standing here right now, I'm realizing, Lord, uh, that there's needs in the house, Lord. Maybe for a family member, maybe personal, uh, maybe business-wise, but you know all about it. And I'm glad, Father, it's not on my shoulders to meet the need because I ain't got nothing to meet it. But we have a God in heaven who sits high and looks low and who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to your power that is working in us. So, Lord, be glorified in and through us. Show yourself strong on our behalf. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that I do pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, my friend. Amen. Amen. Amen.